Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of that podcast. My name is Ryan Janke, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung. And you know what? Before we get started, we have a guest. Yeah. There are people who you just love to see. You know, sometimes you'll, people will ask, hey, if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee with anybody, living or not, who would it be? Gosh, who would it be? Living or not? Yeah, anybody. I'd, I'd like to have sit down and have coffee with my grandpa, my grandpa George, who died when I was one and a half. Mm-hmm. I have one very uh, faint memory that may be fabricated based on stories I was told of him. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what do you remember at one and a half? Well, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, would love to, I would love to talk to him and, and find mm-hmm. out more about just his life and how he grew up and, and all that stuff. That's... Yeah. You know, some people would say like Abraham Lincoln or mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, yeah. or Martin Luther, you know, that's a good pastoral answer, but my my grandpa. Yeah. Sarah? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. <laughs> I, I'm wearing my Holly Dolly Christmas sweater. It's before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, I saw the most interesting article that she helped to fund the vaccine for COVID-19. You want to hear a funny story about this? Yeah. So I... T- Dolly Parton just released a new Christmas album. I feel mm-hmm. like this is just the time where people find out that I really love Dolly Parton. Um, when she re- talked about releasing a Christmas album, I said, this is it. This is what's going to cure COVID. <laughs> Dolly Parton is going to cure COVID. Dolly Not in the way you intended, but, you know. <laughs> One way or another. What if that is the actual vaccine? You go in to get get your shot, and they just start playing Dolly oh. Parton's new album. Or, or give, you the, give you the CD. Give you the CD, yeah. <laughs> Play this. Sounds like a win-win. <laughs> Well, what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is... Ryan's answer is sitting right here. We should get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> I should. Well, wait, what, wait, let me try one more. Oh, wait. No, that's not what I wanted. So, let's see. Um, <laughs> we, do, we really have to get that thing labeled yeah, for you. Yeah, we do. Get let's you a cheat sheet. No, that's not it either. <laughs> that's a... Uh, no, I did it again. <laughs> I'm going to set it aside. Okay, hold on. I, I know which one I want to do. Back. Okay. Now, go ahead. Right, set, now back away yeah. from the table. <laughs> well, what I'm getting at is it is great to, to have somebody to just sit down and talk with, and you can talk for hours. And our guest today is somebody that you can sit down with and talk for hours. I love it when I get to have a conversation with John Melland. John, how are you doing? Well, it- First here a little while, I thought I felt like George Goble um, and Johnny Carson because there was a lot going on I didn't understand. <laughs> you ever feel like the whole world's a tuxedo and you're a pair of brown shoes? Yeah, that's his life. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, you, you both you both uh, haven't been married as long as I have, so the correct answer to your first question is my wife. Oh. <laughs> well, my wife doesn't like coffee, though. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> My wife doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can get away with it. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Our our wives they get enough conversation without listening to the to the podcast. Uh, John, how you doing? I'm doing very very well. Good. Uh, yeah, um, I'm very glad to be here. We kind of initialized a, a ministry here um, at the. Well, about what three months ago, and where we knew that there are a number of people that couldn't access service um, by the means that we have available in our technology. So, uh, I proposed to um, the church that um, maybe we uh, consider taping the the services. Yeah, and both services every Sunday, and and that ministry has grown from three people that are enjoying those to now we have. 11 maybe 12 that are taking advantage of that and it's growing and and it's uh really uplifting so um that's just part of of why i do things and who i am is that i'm about service and about offering that and i think that'll come full circle in our conversation here today yeah 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 i know it's uh people love it 
mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people that uh that you take CDs to that they they probably haven't left yeah. they're you know where they're wherever they're living at uh yeah, their since, rooms or yeah. yeah since covid started mm-hmm. yeah it's a really uh, appreciated service that mm-hmm. you're doing a lot of isolated people out there mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for sure for sure uh so the the reason that I other than I like to just sit and chat with you John the other reason I brought you in was a couple of weeks ago we were talking and you you told me a story um of uh how you sort of were a church planter back a while uh, well I don't know how many years ago it would be but I'll let you tell the story I thought it was neat well to go to get kind of frame that out um you know everybody <coughs> has kind of a vocation in life, and mine was teaching for a long time. I, I, I have to put it plainly that some people do a job and some people love what they do, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with what I did for education. I, I, in the 30 years that I was teaching, there were just probably less than a handful that were work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get those years with whatever you do, circumstances make that, but... Um, the rest of the time was it was just like perfect fit, and I I remember as a young child growing up in Western North Dakota where you have things called buttes and ranches that are more than just forty acres or whatever. <laughs> um, I used to work with my grandmother on the farm, and one of the things you always had to do is on rainy days or whatever you did fencing, um, and I was probably ten or eleven. And I was working with my grandmother fencing, and she stopped after a while, and she said, Johnny, <laughs> she says, I think I got it figured out. And I said, what's that? I think you're going to be one of three things when you grow up. And I said, okay, what's that? I think you're either going to be a teacher or a preacher, or you're going to be a radio announcer. And today I've done all three. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Check it off the list. <laughs> so... Yeah, but it, <laughs> teaching, teaching, uh, teaching came easy for me. But it, you know, along that line too, uh, I was also doing um, ministry within the church, uh, teaching Sunday school, like my father modeled for me to do. And later, uh, I had uh, confirmation groups, and uh, you know that that has been a mold that you know reinforced what I was raised into. And how I felt about um, what my idea of what I had to do. There was an argument I had with God when I was 19. Um, in western North Dakota, where I grew up in McKenzie County, we, had a, we didn't need Disneyland. We just had to go one of the four buttes. <laughs> surrounded town and we'd, parents just knew. You got you to explain that to you because not everyone here is from North Dakota. What is, what is butte? A butte? Yes. What is a butte? Well, there's two answers. One is a town in just <laughs> off <Montana>. Velva. <laughs> no, it, it, I, I guess if, if you maybe had been in the southwest, you'd know what a mesa is. But there are some places out in western North Dakota in my county that I grew up in, McKinsey County. They're uplifting of sandstone rock, and they, they can be 300 or more feet and level on top or not. Uh, we had one north of town that I used to go to quite a bit, and that's where um, the focus with the argument was, but that was Ragged Butte, and it's about a mile long. Um, great place to find fossils and explore and mm-hmm. do things that kids like to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we spent, we found out that if you put a can of beans on a fireplace or a fire pit that, or a fire um, you better have an opening on the top or, or you, you got a lot of exploding elements to that learning experience. Oh, there's going to be some experiments after this, this uh, podcast uh, yeah. goes live. We yeah. didn't put any do not try this at homes yet on any of the episodes. This one might need one. Yeah, they thought, Morning. They thought, Mentos, they thought Mentos and Diet Coke was the Oof. way to go. Yeah. That does yeah. work pretty well. <laughs> If as long as you get something, it'll go up. But um, no, I, I, um, in in that that time uh, I, when I was young, the Butte was always a place of solace. And and you know, being as high as it is, my my cousins, if you could even go in, in online and check this place out at Table Butte uh, by Keene, North Dakota, um, there's just when you get up on top of those, you can see 
the land around you in so many different directions. And and this one particular northern spot, this northern rock, a lot of people who've been up on, on um, Ragged Butte um, will know exactly where I'm talking about. It's the farther, farthest, most northern large rock on that Butte complex. And you can see the Missouri River, which is miles away from there. You can see it off. Oh, wow. The, so it it's just one of those things that, you know, you get up there and you, you with the wind in your face, because Western North Dakota, you have wind always moving. Yeah. And um, you just have the quiet of the prairies and you have the panorama before you. And it's, you know, it was a place where I'd go where I felt in the presence of God, always. Mm-hmm. And, and it was whenever I had problems or I had questions that I couldn't, solve myself or didn't want to ask anybody else other than God, that's where I'd go. Mm-hmm. And I was 19 and had uh, gone one year to college and busted my foot up in football, and, and I was kind of planning on having a career in football. Um, it was probably the luckiest break I ever had in sports because <laughs> it kind of turned me in another direction. But I sat on that rock for a long time, and I prayed. And, and you know, I, I was asked for an answer. And it was, you know, it was just like a bolt out of blue came the call. Mm. Um, God wanted me to serve, to be a pastor. And there the argument started. It uh, wasn't very, very um, early before this event that I'd lost uh, some uncles that were very close to me. And being that close to death, I, I just said, no. I said, there's no way, because I know at some point and some time, I'm going to have to comfort somebody or some family who lost somebody uh, very close. And I've seen that pain. I felt it. And I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, knew that maybe I'd have to say goodbye to a very dear friend. And I wasn't ready for that. And so <clears throat> I said no. And I said no really loud. I mean, I, I said no way. <laughs> You know, and I, I said it out loud and I, I just walked away from that spot and I didn't go back for a very, very long time because I knew that argument would come up again. <laughs> well, I went on and I ended up um, going back to college after working some time in the East Coast at Pratt & Whitney Aircraft. I mean, um, that's where I met Jan. Is out there. Her, uh, her dad was a minister in the church in which... Um, I was going, and, and my brother was out there too, and we all felt the need eventually to get back home. And when Jan and I came back, we went to Minot State and finished our degree, and that's where we ended up teaching in the Minot area. But all during that time, I kept getting a tug, you know, um, to do something more than just teach. And so that's where the Sunday school came, and that's where the... Um, that's where the confirmation classes, and I remember more than once, one of the pastors said, you know, sooner or later, John, we're going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, and it was somewhere real close to Easter, maybe in Lent, oh golly, um, I had maybe seven years of teaching left, and um, Pastor Yarger, Lee Yarger, um, approached me at the front of the church as I was walking in, minding my own business. <laughs> <laughs> Those meddlesome pastors. <laughs> yeah. And he says, John, I need some help. So what do you say to a pastor when they ask? <laughs> you say, yeah, sure, what do you need? He says, well, I got this little church up in Glenburn, North Dakota, called Hope Lutheran. I need some help up there. And I said, well, sure, what do you need? You want me to take offering and do the candles? Uh, you know, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you got? Uh, no, John. <laughs> he looked at me. He says, uh, I'd like for you to do the service. And it's crazy because about two weeks before that, I was sitting in, in our comfortable pew in the back of the church <laughs> where all kids or young uh, family members that have kids sit, you know. And after a while, that becomes their place. Um, thinking... You know, I, that that'd be pretty powerful to witness in front of a, a group of people like this. Sometimes witness your faith, and I and I just kind of blew it off. Well, God listens to those things, <laughs> <laughs> and um, he he just I could just see him smiling. Yeah, okay, <laughs> and sure enough, um, I said yes, and and I went up to that little church, and there was probably I don't know. 
less than 30 people in their old, older people. And uh, I, the first Sunday, I, I did a, a service there. And, and um, to, to put this in perspective, before I go up there, I, was, I, I joined the, the pastoral study group just to get ready and kind of get some guidance, some good help. And um, they gave me a number of things to read, which uh, some of them are f- I was familiar with. But those discussions allowed me to free think, and, and they would explain some of the things they're doing. And it was really, really powerfully strong. But that first time I was in front of everybody, I thought, I, I was like a fall leaf. I was up there just waving in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about ready to fall off. Anyway, they... they uh, they were a very kind group, and uh, they always, they call it a, not a potluck, but a carry-in dinner, and so they fed mm-hmm. you, and, and I thought that was good, and I sat down, and and <laughs> um, they said, well, could you come again? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I kind of looked at them, and I, I went to myself, I wasn't that good. <laughs> and, and, and this good friend of mine, Bud Schultz, uh, he read between the lines right away, and he said, don't get a big head here. We just need a live body. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell in love with it right at that. Um, and, but I said, there's only one condition for me coming back. And what's that? I said, uh, you've got a computerized organ up there. They called it uh, a digital Dorothy because the former <laughs> organist was Dorothy. <laughs> and this thing just did the hymns, but it didn't pause at the end like, you know, like Gerald does every Sunday, but gives you enough time to collect to go up. The, this yep. doesn't do that. So about <laughs> the third measure, you're catching up. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I said, uh, uh, can I bring my wife? She plays the organ. And, and they said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for seven years, um, Jan and I were up there, and it was probably the most uplifting time of my life in ministry and in anything. I mean, I thought teaching was the best fit. Um, but that was, it was amazing. But here's that thing. I wasn't there even a month. And I had my first funeral. Yeah. Mm. I had my first funeral. I had 27 in the time that I was there. Now, you remember I started out with 27. Well, there were, there that wasn't that group, but there were extended people who couldn't, they were, you know, uh, in, in different places that called that right. their home. right. But I did 27. The very thing that I said I couldn't do, God placed in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned, it's, they still aren't easy for me, but I learned um, that it's a very powerful part of the ministry. And um, the only reason I really uh, left doing that was uh, kind of led me into the next phase of ministry, which was plant planting, uh, church planting, um, 2009 came and, and the whole change within the church, uh, the LCA, I, I just couldn't be part of that. And, um, because that little church was affiliated under the umbrella of an ELC church first Lutheran and mine, um, I, I had, they had to decide what they were going to do. And, and I didn't want to be the, the voice that decided it for him. They had to decide and so <clears throat> I left um, the LCA. I left um, uh, Hope, um, and they continued on under the umbrella of ELCA, but kind of shared with uh, LCMC. They, they're a renegade congregation, and I still love them for that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're German up there, and it's kind of like the Norwegian you can tell me, but you know, forget it. If you, you know, that it just, you can ask and I'll give it to you. Tell me, forget it. You know, that's yeah, yeah. they're they're you know they're very strong. But uh, um, so Jan and I then um, joined a Hazen congregation, which was about an hour and fifteen minutes away. That was LCMC, and we drove every Sunday for about I don't know almost twelve months. It was about a year, joined the congregation, joined choir and all that, and made some very, very good friends in Hazen, and to this day, they're very dear to me. It was a healing time, Mm -hmm. uh, because when you say goodbye to a church, and it wasn't hope, but it was First Lutheran, I mean, a church that my kids had grown in, um, had grown up, we baptized them there, um, 
well, not all of them because the first two were in East Hampton, but they 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 were raised in that church. Confirmation confirmed. Uh, been in Sunday school. I mean, it was part of their DNA going up, and to have to say goodbye to that because you felt their church was leaving you mm-hmm. uh, was hard. And so we needed time to heal. And uh, um, Pastor Wolf and in in Hazen and Peace Lutheran was was very good, and um, we we healed. And then one Sunday, he said, if you have gifts, he was preaching the gospel, and, and one of the points was, you know, everyone has different gifts. I think it's in Matthew where we're talking. And, uh, you know, some people are teachers and some are, you know, but you're to use those gifts and not bury them. And I was feeling good Norwegian guilt going there. <laughs> <laughs> so on the way, you know, I was sitting in the pew and I, and I had communion and I, I, it, the words, Jan's looking at me going, Oh, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> and I said to her, you know, maybe I should get back in the saddle, you know, and, and be part of pulpit supply or something like that. On the way back from Hazen, I got a telephone call. One of the former members of Hope had died in an accident boating on Sakakawea, and they wanted me to do the funeral. There it is again. I say, yes. God says, okay, here we go. And um, it's been like that. Well, I wasn't, wasn't so much after that. I had um, some friends of mine um, answered a, an ad in the paper, if you feel like you know, the church has left you. Or a group of us are meeting um, in Ward County Library. There are 33 people showed up from a number of different Lutheran churches who felt like we did. Mm-hmm. We looked around the room. We said, you know, we've had churches with less people. Let's just do a service. So two weeks later, we had a church service. 66 people showed up. Wow. Within uh, three weeks after that, we'd outgrown the site. We needed to find a bigger place. Uh, Ward County had restrictions about how many people could be in a building. And we had some really eager people that were really forward thinking. And they made a deal with First Presbyterian <laughs> in um, in Minot. At the time, it was called First Presbyterian. We started church at noon. You wouldn't believe how many college students we had in that congregation. <laughs> <laughs> but it... We grew. I mean, it was like in a very short time order, we were, you know, very close to 200 people, if not there. And it was, and we were ready to make a call. Uh, There was uh, Rod Wilson, a good friend of mine from Minot, and I were doing um, the ministry at that time, leading, and and, uh, um, we called the pastor, and and then we moved from that site to a, a church farther north, and we did split service, but we had, I was part of that whole thing. It was really a heady time. And um, when, when we started um, at that other church, the reason we moved is we, we felt that the time was, there's a sweet time in, in parish time, and that's at, you know, 8 to 11 time. And noon was, although it was good for the fit and, and good for a lot of college kids, it was late. And we were losing some people as it got into football season. Too many Viking fans. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, how much how much problems can you deal with on a Sunday? <laughs> that was another one. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not a Viking fan. But, but anyway, that there there is. Well, that was good to have you on the show. <laughs> but this is why I like John so yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but anyway, we we ended up working out a deal with that congregation. They were NALC, and um, uh, we being we had decided at that point in time to be LCMC, and had a board and all that, and it called the pastor, and it was a perfect. I, fit. I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt again. It's just whenever we get into the inside Lutheran stuff, I try to explain a little <laughs> bit of this, and so. For those of you who don't know, the NALC is the North American Lutheran Church, and LCMC is Lutheran Congregations in Mission for Christ. They are um, 
the way they speak of each other, and they both are, are church denominations, associations of former, originally ELCA congregations or Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Full disclosure, I was an ELCA pastor, um, and atonement comes out of that tradition as well. The NALC and the LCMC speak of themselves as fraternal twins moving in the same direction. We just do church differently. Yep. Okay, sorry. Yep. And, and, and just a quick point in that, Pastor, um, uh, I'm, I had a Norwegian moment. I'll think of it in a second. <laughs> but um, one of my pastors that I had at First Lutheran, um, very, very good uh, mentor, um, who's now in a, in a congregation that, uh, that it, it, not in mine anymore. He left the ELCA and became, it, it, it is a connection to he and Pastor Paul Cross mm-hmm. um, to that church. And I'm kind of hesitating about saying his name just because of the format we're in. Yep. Uh, but anyway, um, <clears throat> he, he went to an NALC ch- church, um, uh, but he kept First Lutheran together uh, through some very trying times and, I think the, the Wisconsin church that he's in, Pastor Cross would know the name. Um, there's a strong bond between the two because of uh, him starting uh, his pastoral um, venture on the advice of Pastor um, Cross. So wow. so there's a tie all the way around here that goes back. To, but um, Pastor Cross knows everybody. It, he, knows yeah, a, he knows a lot of people. It's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. <laughs> the six, six degrees, degrees of, of Pastor Paul Cross. Pastor Paul Cross. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, getting back to uh, what I was at is that uh, once we once we had moved uh, into that environment in the NALC church building, um, they would have church and we'd have Sunday school, and then when they would have church, we would, uh, or when they have Sunday school, we'd have church, and so it works. We hit the sweet hour time. We were doing flipped things and so we were able to worship as families it was it was wonderful um then then i started to feel uncomfortable when jan started feeling uncomfortable that's kind of the way it works and you know I w- men and women hear different things mm-hmm. and uh come to find out that uh the pastor that they, they had called um had more of a, a vision of uh, women being not as active in church. I'm trying to be very diplomatic in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, it, it just didn't rub well with me. I mean, how do you do a potluck? How do you do uh, a funeral? How do you, how, how do you run um, Sunday school without that important element? And I mean, to me, we wouldn't, I could not envision not having Pastor Becky as my pastor sure. here. Mm-hmm. And to deny that option, it just, it, um, so I, I just quietly drifted away, um, and went back, um, to Hazen for a while. And then within a short while, <laughs> I got a call from one Rod Wilson and he and his wife and Jan and I sat underneath our ash tree and we started another congregation out of the people who drifted from that. And, um, and Faith Lutheran in Minot is from that. And, um, you know, that's the hard thing about church planning. When, when, you, when you start something like the energy is always there, um, that second group were kind of licking their wounds a little bit mm-hmm. because they'd gone through first the ELCA and then now this. And um, it, it's been a struggle for them. And I felt um, that towards the end of that, uh, ministry that I was doing for them. I think we did that for about five years that they were really leaning heavy on, on me mm-hmm. and, and Rod was getting the other part of that and they needed to call a pastor um, to move them forward. And there were, you know, maybe anywhere from 40 to 60 people there. And it's hard. Finding a place was tough. We were even at the fairgrounds until they, the fairgrounds couldn't have the museum there. And then now they're, at a Bible college uh, up in Minot, and they have church up there. But it's it's difficult. But I felt that they wouldn't grow unless I left and let them move forward. And that, that was a hard thing. You know, every time you make a transition, you can lose people, and they did. But um, right now they're still going on. They're struggling like a lot of uh, church plants do. The other congregation is still going in the d- direction they want to go. Um, I think they have 
um, probably moved now towards an NALC or NAC, NALC. It, there, there's, there's one of them with two A's in it. I don't remember how that works. So there's the Association of American Lutheran Churches. That's AALC. Yeah. They are um, closer in line probably theologically and and as you're talking church structure with um, uh, allowing only men to be yeah. pastors, the AALC is is like that. And I think they're in a full communion relationship with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which also yeah. only allows um, pastors to be men. But there's some kind of a tie-in. They, they've also uh, some kind of agreement with... Um, a Lutheran Brethren Church in in um, Minot, but I don't know how tight that is. Um, I know that there was something, but anyway, we, it, in, it, there's many different Lutheran. Um, I'm using finger quotes synods, so to speak, in the United States, um, and we all have our alphabet soup. There's the AFLC, the AELC. There's yeah. Lutheran Brethren. There's all kinds. So and there's only a few that allow women to be pastors, but. The thing that kind of also predicated uh, us leaving that circumstance, we were planning a move to come to Fargo. Mm-hmm. And um, so once we sold the house in Minot, it, you know, it was supposed to be a 110-day market. We sold the house in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't get... Get out! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spend 40 years in community and you feel the boot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 no, it, it was... Mine, it was hard because we left our faith friends there, knowing that we had family here. Because at that time we had two of our kids were here, and going to um, uh, my oldest son was coming here, and um, we we just knew that this was going to be home. I had connections with the pastors here, and and I I knew before I left the keys and the counter I, in my night, I knew I was coming to this church. You know, I'd, there's a interesting dynamic that's different today. I, I think um, former pastor here talked about it. Um, today, it's the pyramid is different than it was when I grew up. Um, used to be the first thing you did is you found the church, and then um, within that, you found the education school that was nearby that which you wanted, and then you your occupation, whatever you did, kind of supported all of that. Well, now it's kind of reversed. You're sitting on the point where your your occupation um, is kind of driving you to wherever you're at, and then uh, the school is wherever it's close to where you you know it's convenient for your work and that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the church is the last part of that connection, and some people don't get that point, you know. And so it's an interesting dynamic. We're st- we still fell under that first dynamic. Um, the church, we knew where we were going. We, we struggled to find a place. We couldn't get a home. We'd put five things on the internet that we thought, okay, we're going to see five houses here. Before we could get um, halfway here, Cooperstown, um, they would be sold, you know. Um, so we, okay, now what do we do? We, we had these five places. So we got lucky on one of those um, misadventures and, and, um, there was a house that was coming up for sale. It hadn't quite hit the market, and we drove up, put a bid on it. We were in Medora with a family gathering, and we signed the papers for the house on the, <laughs> in the computer. Well, I was so thankful for technology because there's no way I know we could get that house. We had to come back. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah. so that's how we ended up here. And then, and then I sat in the pew, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I joined uh, the men's thursday morning group and i but i felt the tug i felt Mm -hmm. the tug um uh, i wasn't done yet and um it wasn't much longer and and um, the church asked me to be part of the uh, the services here on sunday and i embraced it um totally it was it was like being home again Mm -hmm. you know and even though this is a different congregation um, I felt like I knew enough of the people by that time. And, and I, I began to realize my outreach had changed. Uh, my focus was more on the elderly. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, here I am. Who's, who's gonna, who are you going to know that's probably going to be 
thrown in your face from that argument you had when you were 19. <laughs> it's that very group who I'm ministering to. And, how, and you know, it, this all story, this whole thing boils down to this. Two words. God wins. <laughs> you you can run but you can't can, hide. Yep. No, no, it it yeah. I mean I, I and you look back and you see all those different ways and places I went. It was just kind of preparing me for where I am now. Mm-hmm. I mean the ability I think teaching is a great um a great avenue to develop how to read people and then to listen. Um, I still struggle with listening as well as I should. But uh, listen and reading people when you can see. Sometimes um, you see folks that are hurting and they're not telling you that. You know, it's part of being married. You learn to read too. (laughs) 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 But but you know they're not. So you just know how to talk the the language that isn't um, going to get them uncomfortable but allow them to be comfortable with you enough to tell you they just sometimes need to just let it go mm-hmm. or to let it out. And and uh, I've learned over the years that um, sometimes you, you can't do anything but just listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of the Befrienders group here in this church, and that's one of the key elements of the Befrienders is, you know, um, some of these people you deal with have some real problems in life, and you're not there to cure. You're there to comfort and to listen. Mm-hmm. You don't have the answers sometimes, um, and it's not always good to give suggestions. Um, you know, I'm, my dad was a mechanic. Um, I I like to fix things. I'm, sometimes I wreck things when I fix things, but <laughs> but just don't wreck them. Uh, just don't fix them so that no somebody else can't come in and fix yeah, it. Well, <laughs> that's why you buy new. <laughs> but but Re- anyway, no wrecking but, or improving. Yeah, yeah. There you. It's a fine line. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but the thing is that that uh, I learned through marriage that you know sometimes my wife just needs to say mm-hmm. and have me hear what she's saying, and and just to uh, when I when I hear what she's saying, not to tr- try solve her problem because that's not what she's looking for. She wants me to listen mm. and and that's um, kind of what I hear when I take that skill and I, when I. Uh, as a befriender, sometimes you just echo back what they're saying so they know you're hearing it and they feel feel like, first of all, they're validated and second, that you really care. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And not saying, and saying those words in that format that you don't. It's just that your heart is out there and you're trying to find a way to, um, to let them know that you hurt with them mm-hmm. and you wish that you could... Uh, take the hurt away, but we in this world of reality know that, um, you know, that's not always possible. But having support, I, you know, um, hugs are part of who I am, and so this COVID thing's just killing me, mm-hmm. you know. And to know that somebody is um, hurting and not being able to just give them that quiet solace of comfort by a hug is hard. Um, but you try to find the words, and sometimes there aren't words. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just silence. They just need that time. So, and I, and I think uh, my befriender of people would just be smiling when I'm saying that because that's um, two things that I don't do well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I it's it's one of those um, tools of of uh, interpersonal skills that I've learned through befrienders that it's got me to the point where. I feel more comfortable um, being with people, even though they're struggling. So I, I guess in a nutshell, you know, um, a big nutshell, because I've been here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, <clears throat> the thing is that don't ever, if I were to, to say something to a young person, don't underestimate God's patience for you. Mm. Um, he has... He has plans for your gifts, and all you have to do is, this is that big word we, you've heard the last couple of Sundays, trust in him. Um, trust in him that he will guide you through. I mean, that was the thing that I had to do. I had, I had to trust God 
that I could get through that hurdle that I knew it would stand before me. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the, my yoke is heavy. You know, I felt that heavy yoke when um, I had to help a family um, through the grieving of a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that was um, powerful. And um, my heart was was right there with them. So, but through all of that, um, God gave, you know, that's the thing. When Whenever I preach, I, and I have um, two examples to share here. Whenever I preach, I always say a prayer before I say even one word. You know, um, I go to the altar and I pray. My prayer is, God, may what I say today be a blessing in thy sight. Mm-hmm. And, and then I ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit from that point on. So when I turn around and I go to that pulpit and I begin to preach, I believe that it isn't me, John Mellon, this average guy. It's the Holy Spirit coming through me. And whatever they hear is what, you know, the Holy Spirit has me. And so in that sense, I remember sometimes I thought I gave a really great sermon and <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you know, and then I sometimes thought I had just laid an egg and I'll have invariably I'll have somebody come up and say, you know, that's just what I needed to hear today. I'm going, what did you hear? <laughs> I feel the same way. There's many days that I'm like, obviously I don't know what I'm doing yeah. um, because the Holy Spirit takes yeah. the witness of the preacher and takes that word, which is the word of Christ and does with it what he uh, chooses. So. One, one last thing I'm going to say when during, I used to write my sermons out in longhand all the time. I, you know, I, I tried to do it in, in the, on a computer and type them out, but it, it just didn't have the feel for mm-hmm. me. So I got this bump on my knuckle here that it's <laughs> never going away and on my thumb. <laughs> it's a reminder of all the thousands of words. <laughs> anyway, um, but the, the whole point of that is that some of the sermons, um, I, I would read the text a week before and let it just germinate. Mm-hmm. And then about Wednesday of the next week, I'd start working on it. Then Saturday, I'd sit down and write. And it was crazy for um, many, many of those years of uh, when I was uh, preaching. Um, I just felt the spirit was driving that pen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was just kind of watching the words come. And, and so you then, you know, that's very powerful. Um, and it's very significant that you know it's not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to share one last story, and then I'll call it a night. But there may be some other of you <laughs> that, that uh, um, you know, say, boy, I wonder what it would be like to be a pastor or to, um, to speak, and, and, you know, what would it take? Well, the, the, the hump came for me not just stand in front of a group of people, but at that time the ELCA had a bishop in Western Synod, um, and um, there were two Lutheran churches. Here's where the politics can get involved. Two Lutheran churches in that community. Hope came from uh, a rural church, and and that co- congregation wanted to keep their church. They were a very wealthy congregation, even though they were small. There was a n- younger church in the community, and you know, larger, and had a new building, and you know, had all the bells and whistles. But there was some animosity between them, primarily over finance. Um, I think one group wanted to see if they could join together, just alleviate some of the things that they had for financial restrictions and, and maybe drive their church in a bigger format. And, and, you know, that's a reasonable argument there. But, you know, they were a German-Norwegian group, and, you know, you, you can tell me, but you can't tell me much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were very set in their way. So the, the, the dynamic and the politics came, the, the synod um, bishop was a former pastor from that other church. And that there could have been a, a, a equitable marriage there at one point in time, but um, there was a confirmation uh, class without a pastor in this one, and he agreed to take them. And 
um, he did. And it would have been a wonderful way to segue to join the church. But in, yeah. instead of, you know, le- leaving the door open, let it happen naturally, he said, I won't confirm those kids unless your parents join our church. Mm. It just ambushed the whole thing. Well, yeah. that, that bishop was the bishop that I had to confront when I was sitting with Lee Yarger at First Lutheran <laughs> about being a pastor up at Hope. And um, the issue was over communion and the piety of the pulpit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, um, the people up there at Hope Lutheran and Glenburn wanted just to have communion every Sunday. And, and, you know, they didn't want to have the laying of hands on the uh, elements and then, you know, the blessing and then maybe the gopher that brings it up. And then, you know, so, and I didn't quite understand that whole business because we were in the chapel at First Lutheran. The pastors were in the other and, and they didn't, you know, they weren't blessing the elements when we were taking care of the stuff. In the, anyway, it was kind of unique mm-hmm. part of that traditional dynamic that doesn't always make sense for the purpose. So the whole point of us meeting was whether or not I could serve communion. And uh, I listened to the my pastor and the bishop go at each other for a while, and I'm kind of sitting like I did here in the first part of this, <laughs> <laughs> like George Goble, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I finally I said, can I say something? And, and they both kind of looked at me and, and uh, said, okay, what do you got to say? And I said, okay. And I looked right at the bishop, and I said, if you're going across the desert, a very dry desert, with just enough water for you and your donkey to get across, and you come across somebody who's dying of thirst, would you deny them a drink of water to save their life? And the bishop said, of course not. I said, well, okay, what if you only had to give them that water, that life-giving water in a dented cup? (laughs) Would you not give him the water? And he said, no. I, he says, I told him, I'm the dented cup. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you people have heard that, but um, that, that, that's kind of where uh, my ministry is. It, it isn't about me. I'm just a vessel. Yeah. F- whether I'm preaching the word or whether I'm serving uh, communion to somebody who's way, or whether I'm um, handing out a CD, I'm just a dented cup. I'm, I'm just a guy. <laughs> the, the power of the ministry comes in the word of the CDs that we give on, on Sunday. In the words of institution, I deliver on, um, in it, and I've done baptism. It's the words, the words that are given from Scripture that are, that are uh, God-breathed words. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just the vessel. You know, the whole thing about, we talked about Monty Python, Holy, Holy Grail <laughs> thing. I'm just that chalice. I'm just, but I'm I'm a beat up one. I'm nothing fancy. Um, I'm just a guy, and God has put in me for some reason a desire to serve, and and I'm never satisfied with just self serve because that to me that's not what it's about. I'm wired, and in my direction wherever I go is going to be wired to serve somebody to. Make sure that the connection between God and them is always there. And if they need a little help, then I step in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not because um, I am on any kind of ego trip. It's just that I can see it. Um, I can feel it. And it's something within you. And, and so young people who are thinking about ministry, it isn't like somebody's going to knock on you over the head on top of a butte and say, hey, you got to do this. It, in my case, it was pretty close. But <laughs> it, it could be in the car and you can feel it the tug in, in, in your heart. It can be um, in a boat in the lake. It can be on, in the field on a tractor. Um, it can be a quiet time in your own room. And uh, don't deny the call because when God calls, um, like I said, he's patient, he'll wait, and uh, he'll drive you. And this has been a wonderful gift that I've received. Um, and I, I, I feel blessed and I'm, I'm just so, um, it's so fun to come to church and be a part of a ministry that's really reaching out to people and having faith driving him. So, um, I think 
this church. I thank every one of you who are listening for your support of what's going on, and uh, God bless you, and stay safe, and uh, um, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. What's happening for Thanksgiving? Um, I suppose we can't. we got to keep it on the down low if anybody wants to have a... Uh, uh, a gathering of more I, than I, ten. I can, right? I can just say there is a nap involved during <laughs> during during the football game. Other than that, <laughs> do you have your lefsa yet? Is your lefsa ready to go for Thanksgiving? Well, you know, um, maybe it's on the work because my wife and my youngest daughter-in-law were talking, so I don't know. See, you got to hear this. Um, you, you know what? My wife will just cringe when she hears this, but <laughs> <laughs> when I was out in the East Coast and I was pretty much intending on um, um, setting up a special gift for our engagement, some guys would, you know, other than the ring, I mean, of course, that came, but some guys would, you know, maybe consider something different. But I kind of laid the plate square in front of her and I, I got her a left griddle for engagement. There you go. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. That's and love. She, and that she, is love yeah, that will and last. She, and she still said yes. <laughs> yep. She right. said, well, her, her answer was, what's this? <laughs> so I knew I had work. <laughs> what? Are we learning that Ryan doesn't like Lefsa? Oh, man. You're just beating up on me incessantly. Wait, wait. I'm learning all co- Not a Vikings fan. Nope. Don't like Lefsa. Check. Are you sure you're from North Dakota? Yeah, but I'm, I'm German-Russian, though. Sour, oh. I'm, I'm a sauerkraut guy. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, but so you am I. I'm Norwegian Swedes. So what? <laughs> What's that? You can be both. Yeah. You don't uh, need them together. I like to take sides. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had lefse? Yeah. yeah. With butter and sugar on it? Well, see, shouldn't it stand alone? No. no. Like, like, okay. We, Have you, you ever had lutefisk? You want to try standalone with that? We'll just make it easier. I just muted him. May, we can just have a conversation now about Lefsa. Hi, V. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yep. hoofda. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, boy. I, I have. Uh, yeah, with, with uh, butter and sugar, it's not bad. Well, that's where you eat it. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to go walk on stilts. Oh, do I need stilts? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, the, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, have you had cocoa wheats? Yes. No. Yes. Why? Well, <laughs> why? <laughs> so my kids, uh, uh, they, we, I make cocoa wheats like my grandma did. Mm-hmm. So I, I make them like it says on the, uh, in the box, except where it, where it says to put water in it, I do milk. And then uh, when they're all done, then I add the sugar and, and the whipping cream to it, right? So it's real sweet. Is this like cream of wheat? Yeah. Okay. But yeah. They got cocoa in it. Okay. Right. Right. So I, you know, I, I, I touch it up like that. Well, then uh, the kids are like, we really like cocoa wheats. <laughs> so they're telling my mother-in-law that they just love cocoa wheats. Would, would you get us cocoa wheats so when we come stay with you, we can have cocoa wheats? One day I go over there to pick the kids up and she's like, well, you can take these with you. And it's a box of cocoa wheats. And I said, well, what do you mean? They won't eat it. I don't know what I did wrong. They don't like it. <laughs> Okay, I had to tell her. Well, you got to add the, the the cream and the sugar to it, like like my grandma did. Yep. See, so. we need to we need to put together like an atonement recipe book and mm. get Ryan's cocoa wheats yeah. in there. So you're talking like the box, right? You, you boil in water, mm-hmm. and, yeah. well, in milk, in milk. Well, I mean, you boil it, and then yeah, you, yeah, yep. yeah. See, that's like, and then it, what was that we were talking about um, before cocoa wheats? You and I knew it exactly. It was something. Not cocoa wheats, but it's cream of wheat. Oh, cream yeah. of wheat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they're eating that, mm-hmm. Rumagrout's going to be less like... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Have you had Rumagrout? No, that I not, have not had. I don't even know what that is. Bob, Dylan, if you're hearing this... <laughs> <laughs> Special delivery to Ryan. <laughs> well, okay, look. Most, unlike German food, most Norwegian food is very bland and really just an excuse to eat eat large quantities of melted butter <laughs> and that's from a grud. but then you okay. add the sugar on top of it and oh yeah. boy okay it'll warm you up on the, uh, cinnamon too the best I, like, way. I like cinnamon with mine too so i lived in the south for a couple of years do you know what rumagrut reminds me of and I, I, this is gonna offend so many people um mute him grits well, yeah well grits if you added sugar to grits 
and kind of mash well, them up I, a little I, bit. For those of the more of a, um, I guess, developed taste of fine <laughs> food, they might consider it looking like a hollandaise sauce. They, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's, I remember when I was teaching in um, Minot, and we we always have the Hustfest up there, and uh, one of the things First Lucent did was make <laughs> boatloads of rumagrout. And I'm not talking just, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it, it would be enough to sink a big size ocean liner. <laughs> and it, we would go Schooner through, size. Oh, man. But it was so good. And I learned how to make it right. And I remember I taught at Minot Air Force Base for a little while. And, of course, those kids come from all over the world. And I mean, I, I've had Korean cuisine, Thai cuisine made fresh. I mean, brought to my room. Mm-hmm. So I brought <laughs> rumor kraut in, <laughs> and I let them taste it cold. <laughs> and I said, who wants to try this? And, and they go, well, that kind of tastes weird. And I said, okay, I'm going to heat it up, put a little sugar, uh, cinnamon sugar and a little butter because it needs it. And I said, uh, who wants to try it then? And I had about six kids raise their hand. And I said, okay. And, of course, from cold to hot is like, you know, summer and winter here. You know, it's mm-hmm. way different. <laughs> and brought it into class, and the head spun like, what's that? And I said, you said you didn't want any. <laughs> <laughs> and those six kids are going like, yeah, okay, we'll share. You know, <laughs> but, but it's really good. And and it, it, the part of it is, is that it, as Bob Jill and I referred to it, attest to, is that it, it's – timing and the way you put it together and to make sure that it has that good flow to it mm. um, and it should make its own butter when you're doing mm-hmm. it so and then you know you're doing it right so again bob um if you hear this <laughs> ryan jenke needs to be taught a well lesson. i think I, I, you know i think we're gonna hear from bob dylan is that, isn't he a big fan of uh, that podcast oh, i'm i'm not sure is I he? Thought he was I, is thought, he? I'm, I, I have no idea my actually bob? my heart tells me that he is well so. bob if you're listening we'd love to hear from you we're gonna have to have like one podcast of just Norwegian cuisine. Oh, we haven't even talked Sh- about uh, kumla or crib or Man. blood kumla. Yeah. Watch your language. That's Sorry, <laughs> blood sausage. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That's the Russian, German, Polish. Oh man, I love I love blood sausage. Okay. Yeah, All head right. cheese. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. more like we could kind of haze you and make you use the uh, krumkaka iron <gasps> to like roll it and burn your fingertips off. Krumkaka. Oh. I think I got a root canal that day. <laughs> no, Builds no. character. <laughs> oh, well, then then, and then there's those uh, almond cookies that are just mm-hmm. really good. Um, Man. We got to gotta wrap this up. I'm, uh, <laughs> Norwegian it's a late wedding lunchtime. cake. It's all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, cool. Well, John, thanks for coming on. I'm going to his house for Thanksgiving. Yeah. He's got all that stuff. I'm not going to be there. Come ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the dog will let you in. I know. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, if your dog has kumkaka to share, I guess. If my dog has kumkaka, I don't have a dog anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right now, our Southern listeners are going, what, what are they, they talking they about? Because that does not sound very good. Anyway. Well, it's our time to check out. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you very much for inviting me. I, I, um, I, I tried to tell my cousin a little while ago that we just talked on the phone. I, uh, what do you know, John? I said, oh, you got 30 seconds. I'll tell you everything I know. And he says, yeah, I know you better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of proof again. <laughs> That no, was great. I appreciate you sharing all that, and and um, we we love you around here. Did did, did I answer your question? <laughs> what was the question? I don't think there was a question. I think we just wanted to talk to you. Yeah. That was the, we just wanted John to come in. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again. You bet. Thank you. Now you can tell your family you're a YouTuber. What did you tell me about that yesterday? Yeah, my one of my grandsons will ask me, "How does that float on water?" <laughs> No, no, no. Now you can tell them you are a, a an influencer. influencer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. An influencer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that is, but you're you're you're, I, you're I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody should pray us out of here. You got yeah. it, Ryan. I got it this yep. way. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for John and I thank you for the the, the work he's done and the work that he does, Lord, I know uh, how important that he is and, and his work is to the, the people he serves. Lord, I thank you for his heart, um, and he's been a blessing here at, at Atonement and many other places. So thank you for, for him and, and uh, 
for all the people who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Again, I forgot to share, we have services coming up 9 a.m. and uh, 10.30 a.m. You can find us at atonement.live and atonementfargo.org or on the YouTube uh, by searching Atonement Fargo. And for Pastor DJ Lura, Sarah DeYoung, and John Melland, I'm Ryan Janke. Join us next week for another riveting episode of that podcast. Yeah. <laughs>